Welcome everyone to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And we have with us again, Joe Wilkie. Thank you so much for joining us again for another podcast and talking about an area that is very sensitive and uh, that a lot of people struggle with as others, um, or as you have said, in regards to the lives of others who sometimes the silence that is so deafening and yet so critical in their lives to get help. So thank you for joining us and talking about this subject of sexual addiction and pornography. Thanks again for having me. This has been fantastic. It's been great. Well, the information has been very helpful and I know, and I want to remind everyone we've done three previous sessions. And so uh, if you have not listened to those, I encourage you to go back and listen to those previous podcasts before listening to this one as we tend to wrap some things up and maybe tie things together. Uh, I want to start in talking about some of the stereotypical mindsets that exist. There are, there are a lot of people out there that try to minimize uh, pornography, addictions in general, and, and just the destructive nature of them. And so if you would discuss with us some of those mindsets that exist and why they tend to minimize this. Sure. The biggest one you run into is boys will be boys. Right. I mean, yes. it's, uh, that's just what guys do. And I, I grew up playing hockey. Um, and I remember my parents, we, we go out of state, you know, we go to tournaments or whatever. And, and of course everybody's in the hotel and all the kids are down at the pool. We wouldn't go. I mean, I, that's just, my parents didn't, didn't want me going down there. They didn't want me to, to struggle with any lust, anything like that. And they were asked like, point blank by parents, like, why don't you let your kid, come down to the, uh, to the pool. And so they're like, look, we just don't, we don't think that's appropriate. And man, what? I mean, come on, boys will be boys. Like that's just, that's just a natural thing. It's a natural function. That's what boys do. And there's a lot of people that believe like masturbation is just a natural function mm -hmm. and it's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong about it. And yeah, it, it can kind of get in your mind where it's like, maybe it is okay. You know, maybe, maybe this is just what boys do. And, and every boy ends up running into pornography. And so it's just kind of a natural part of life. Um, that's a huge one. And the other one that you run into quite a bit is, I know that happened. There's kind of two different sides of it. Like, I know that happens in the world, but that's, that doesn't really happen in the church. You know, the church where Christians, we don't struggle with that. You know, um, Christians know better, right? That's a big one. And, and kind of in that same vein is parents that are, they're all about, Hey, my kid, my kid won't like, yeah, the, the terrible kids at school or in youth group or whatever else. I understand the riffraff, like, yeah, they'll struggle with it. But my kid, I have a, you know, got him under my thumb type of thing. I know what's going on. I got a pulse in my house. Those stereotypes and those, those things that we tell ourselves, um, that it's normal. Um, you know, it's, it's harmless. It's harmless. There's, there's nothing wrong with looking at porn. It just helps us develop a better sense of self and of sex and what it's all about. There's nothing further from the truth. Um, it, is, it is detrimental in every aspect of life. It is terrible, but people still fall for that every single day. And that's sad <laughs> because I've heard that all my life. And I probably have said that maybe not in regards to the sexuality aspect of it. But, you know, we, we tend to use that blanket for so many areas. Uh, I want to ask you maybe a more personal question on the standpoint of the work that you do, uh, whether you're helping individuals or couples. What do you find to be the hardest part of the work that you're involved in in counseling? It's a great question. Um, 
the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, there's two things. The first thing that comes to mind is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And there's an aspect of, I'm sure every counselor feels this way. It's very frustrating to like lead them to it and then for them to do nothing and kind of flounder. Mm-hmm. I think that's very frustrating is people who don't specifically relate it to, to sex addiction, people who don't want it. You can tell that, you know, they're there because maybe their wife wants them there or and they can, yeah, they want to beat it. But then as soon as you discuss what it's going to take to overcome this, what it's going to take to, to finally move past. And it's really about just giving everything over to God and, and lowering your pride and everything. They pump the brakes. That's frustrating to me because it's like, that's the next step. Like that's, that's the biggest step. If you can do that, you're well on your way. And so you're cruising at 60 and then just slam on the brakes. Um, so that's really difficult. And, and the second thing I think just outside of the, the sex addiction work, I have a difficult time with, with couples from time to time because two separate sides are coming um, from two different areas. And a lot of times I'm not the most skilled couples therapist. I mean, I've done it plenty, but there's people that are just fantastic at that. Um, you get a lot of yelling and a lot of back and forth and you're trying to figure out who's, you know, your job isn't necessarily to know who's right as much as to allow both sides to speak and to allow them to process the emotions and hurt and everything else. But so many times it's pot shot after pot shot after pot shot. You go timeout, timeout, and then you try to set some sense of order. They don't want to do it. And so there's plenty of times where I'll end up working individually with one or even both to try to get them back together. And that's, that's a challenge for me because there's two sides to every story. And the more you know from each, the more complex it gets because you're catching both sides and you go, they're both wrong and they're both right. And so to bring them together and to lower the pride of this person, to lower the pride of that person, to say, you're right, you know, and I was wrong. That's a difficult process and one that I'm not, again, I've done it before, but it's, it's a lot harder than just the individuals. I'd rather work with, with sex addicts all day because I love that work. And so I find couples to be more of a challenge, not that it's, you know, the worst, but just more of a challenge for, for things like that. Well, and you, and because you mentioned this idea of the area that you focus on the most, that you, you value the work that you're doing in that area the most. So there are different areas of counseling, uh, whether it be marital counseling or it be premarital counseling or sexual addiction or other areas. So in indi- the individuals who are listening to the podcast today, if, if they're seeking someone and, and whatever area it may be that they're needing help in, what would you tell them that they need to know as far as how do you find the right counselor? What, what do you look for? And especially as Christians, we know that we're, we're looking for someone who's going to give us biblical advice, biblical counseling. So what do they need to look for? What do they need to ask? What type of questions do they need to ask in order to find the right counselor for them? Psychology Today is a great resource. Um, yes, it has a lot of secular, but you can also so just go to Psychology Today and find a therapist. You can look in your town, however far out you're willing to go, and you can click the Christian button on the side, um, and that'll show anybody who lists themselves as a Christian therapist. They may not be members. They probably are not members of the Church of Christ. However, I think there's also kind of a, a belief that like if they're not members of the Church of Christ, then they're going to try to sway you on a belief. If a counselor is worth his, his or her salt, their job is not to sway you. Um, to believe one way or the other. Their job is to help you with whatever you believe. And so they should be 
client-focused or client-centered. If that's listed in a description, you're probably good because that means they're not going to try to sway you from a certain thing. The other thing is most people don't recognize um, – Usually you get a 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, usually a 30 minute free consultation. Ask all the questions you want. Figure out if you're a good fit. And that's why a lot of us counselors do that is because we're trying to figure out if we're going to be the right fit for that individual or for that couple or family or whatever else. And so that's the time to ask whatever counselor you got as many questions as you want about how do you, you know, how do you feel about marriage? How do you feel about divorce? What's, what are some typical things that you do specifically related to sex addiction? I would find somebody who specializes specifically in cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, that has plenty of studies that have shown that's the most proven way to beat addiction, any addiction, um, but specifically this. Um, and so I would, I would look for somebody that does that. And then I would just use your, if they don't do a 30 minute or at least a free consultation initially, I'm not saying don't use them, but I would be, that's difficult. Most of them do. And so you should be fine on that, but ask your questions. And the other thing is um, focus on the family. Uh, some are familiar with I think Dr. Dobson with focus on the family. If you go to their website, they have a free hotline, I believe that you can call and they have therapists that can help over the phone and they can put you in touch with therapists. I think they have a therapist network as well. So focus on the family is a fantastic option um, to seek some of that. So biggest thing is just don't be fooled into thinking like, well, they're just going to try to change me or it's going to go bad. Um, use that consultation, ask the questions that you want. And yes, it's very nerve wracking preparing to tell somebody all your problems, somebody that you don't know, but just keep in mind, we're trained for this. Um, we've been through thousands of hours of doing this. Um, and also you can check to see how long have they been doing this? They've been doing this for 35 years or two years. If you're more comfortable with the person, don't always choose. And this is just me being young. Don't always choose. <laughs> The one that's been in it for 35 years, in my opinion, because sometimes they can become stale and they're doing things from 35 years ago that don't necessarily, we've come a long way in the last 35 years. And sometimes they can be stale. Doesn't mean they're bad. They may be fantastic and they got a PhD and everything else. That's great. They're probably going to cost a fortune too. Um, for the young ones, we're fresh out of school sometimes. They know in four or five years, they can have some really good ideas on how to change things and how to help in ways and, and adopting maybe some new forms that we're finding to be really, really effective. Um, so don't write somebody off just because they have not been doing it for 30 years is all I'm saying. Um, sure. And maybe that's more personal, <laughs> personal bias, but yeah. Well, and that's okay. I'm, I'm glad you're on this particular podcast for that very reason that you can help share some new insight and, and it's been rich. Uh, just real quick, I want to remind everybody that they can reach you at joewilkiecounseling at gmail.com. And I'm going to make sure I put that email address uh, with each podcast so that people can see that in the write-up on it. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, I, I just want to remind everybody that we have looked at a number of different areas and we have talked about a number of steps that help people in moving towards getting counseling uh, some things that they can expect in that process and, uh, and even the, the realm of the progress that they make. But as we have talked about before, uh, apart from our sessions, th there are steps that need to come into play in this. If someone says, okay, I'm not going to do this. Right. You know, you, like you said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so if I'm in you know, it, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's just a friend, uh, anybody really as a Christian, 
there are some other factors that play into this discussion. I think it'd be good for us to wrap this up and kind of bringing it back to that. So as a person, and I'm facing the situation where I'm trying to help someone, and as a Christian, they don't want help. Uh, they don't want to give up the addiction. Kind of, kind of share some next steps uh, that people can be thinking about in regards to what they can do if they get to that point. The next steps are really, really hard, um, really difficult, because the first and foremost that we have to remember is this person is a soul. And their soul, if they are unwilling to deal with it, then, and they do not want to change, and they're not taking any steps to change, then their soul is in jeopardy because they've chosen to put, put pornography or whatever it is as the idol um, and ahead of God and ahead of true change. And so we have to remember that specifically for spouses or friends that have been hurt by this person. It's, it's tempting to, you know, we might want to just yell at them, but we're not willing to take the next steps. And I think at some point, Matthew 18 has to come in. And if they're unwilling to change, you take somebody else and you go to them and you try to try to seek change. And if that's not the case, you go to the church. And I know, I know preachers that struggle with it. And, you know, I would give the same counsel to their wives. Take, if, if he's the preacher, you might lose your livelihood, but your husband's going to lose his soul. And that's, really difficult to deal with and it's very very scary because there's a lot of uncertainty tied up in it but you have to get to the point where we're expecting them to do whatever it takes and sometimes a spouse has to adopt the same principle of do whatever it takes to get their soul right and so we we do matthew 18 and if that doesn't work you take them to the church in my opinion i think you separate i don't i don't believe um divorce i don't think you you should head toward divorce um but i do believe it's separating for a time you want your husband or this person to understand the depth of their sin. Um, you know, your friend to understand that, Hey, I love you too much to allow you to stay in this sin. And so it's a, this is a very serious issue. And if you show how serious you're taking it, it's not like checking once a month and seeing how they're doing, but like we're getting honest because if you died tomorrow, you were going to hell the way that you were acting and the, and the, the lack of response here, this is a very immediate problem. We want to get this fixed as, as soon as possible. And so um, we want to show compassion to these people. We need, we have to understand that there's something more underneath the surface that is, is causing them to hold on to this. But ultimately we got to be doing whatever, got to be willing to do whatever it takes, including Matthew 18. Yeah. And I appreciated the fact that in the previous podcast, you've mentioned the importance of grace and, and certainly we understand the need to be gracious, to demonstrate grace patience, compassion. Uh, and it's, it's not a quick fix. As you've mentioned before, sometimes it takes years, but the person needs to be willing to move in that direction. And I think that's the, the critical turning point is when a person reaches that stage where they say, no, I, I don't want help. I don't think I have a problem. And, you, and they just continue to be immersed in the struggle and the addiction. So well, Joe, as much as I hate that our sessions have come to an end, I know there's probably a well house of information that we haven't even touched, but I just can't thank you enough. The information has been so helpful. I know it's going to be helpful for both leaders uh, in the home, in the church, uh, people who have friends, people who themselves may be struggling in some way with either pornography or some sexual addiction or other areas. And uh, my prayer is, is that if they need help, that they will get it and that they have somebody in you that they can contact. And so I, I appreciate your being willing to do that and to take the time uh, to record each of these podcasts. And I know they'll be helpful to others. 
I appreciate you and I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. There's hope. I mean, that's the one message. There's hope. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but for everybody listening, there's hope for this, um, you know, and, and tides are changing, tides are turning. We are now getting people inside the church and outside the church paying attention, saying, hey, this is a problem. And so we look forward to a brighter day, I feel like. Awesome. So thank you for this. Well, thank you again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. And I encourage you to listen to all four of the sessions that we had with Joe. And hopefully they will be helpful to you. And again, just to remind you, if you uh, want to contact Joe, you can reach him at joewilkiecounseling at gmail.com. Thanks again, Joe. God bless. Appreciate you. Thanks.